This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Welcome to the Best Friends Podcast. My name is John Dunn, and I have some news because next week I'm going to be a guest on another podcast. How weird is that? I'm going to be on the fantastic Community Cats podcast with host Stacy LeBaron. I don't remember the last time I was interviewed really for anything like that. So it was a great honor, a pleasure. Always enjoy chatting with Stacy, but I'm not going to lie to you. Much more difficult for me to be a guest than a host. So I don't really remember what I said. It was all a bit of a blur. So we can all tune in and find out together just exactly what I said. There will be a link in the show notes to Stacy's website where you can subscribe to the Community Cats podcast. Now, if you had to name some of the biggest shifts in animal welfare over, say, the last 20 years, you might say open adoptions or maybe the change in our mindset when it comes to adopting out animals with special needs. Or maybe you think about animal services and really the revolution that's taken place in that field over just the last few years. Those are all good ones. But one segment of pet owners in communities across the country are finding themselves on the receiving end of help, in many cases, for the first time ever. The biases over who should and shouldn't own pets, they still exist. There's no doubt about that. But the conversation has changed. And now, more than ever, as a movement, we're coming to grips with the fact that pet ownership isn't only for the privileged few. So 20 years from now... I'd be willing to bet that we're going to be talking about programs like the one we're talking about today, programs that are changing the way communities relate to pet owners, particularly those who find themselves in need of a little extra help. We're talking about Spokane, Washington, and a unique but repeatable program that has developed there over the course of the pandemic. We talked with three people, each from different organizations that are involved in this partnership. We decided that we really want to help those that need the help in our own community as well. That's huge for us. And so by identifying this with Best Friends and Catholic Charities, I'd always known the need was out there, but I never really had that partner to tell me like what the need was. And once we started meeting and I was like, ah, this is how we can fit. This is another part that we can really help our community. That's Dory Peck. She's with Spoke Animal, a nonprofit animal welfare organization in Spokane. You may wonder why I specifically said animal welfare organization on an animal welfare podcast. It's because this story involves more than just animal welfare. My name is Dave Sackman. I am the director of integrated case management for Catholic Charities uh, Eastern Washington. We really try to, to do what we can wherever somebody is in their life and whatever position they're in to help stabilize and to help mitigate the negative impacts of, of whatever, whatever someone's going through. Catholic Charities, if you're not familiar with them, it is a big organization. It's a national organization, Catholic Charities USA. Then there are 167 local Catholic charity agencies across the country. But how big is this organization? Well, how about this? After the federal government, Catholic Charities USA is the largest provider of social safety net programs in the country. So we've got Dory with Spoke Animal, Dave with Catholic Charities Eastern Washington, and you'll be hearing more from both of them. But first, I want to introduce you to Elizabeth Oreck. 
She's a colleague of mine here at Best Friends. I am still the national manager of Puppy Mill Initiatives for Best Friends, but I've also gotten very involved in our initiative to keep pets with their families. And that involves a lot of housing work, external partnership work. And one of those projects is the Catholic Charities Spokane pilot project. Elizabeth, as you can tell, has a lot to do, but I was excited to chat with her about this program because the need for this type of approach is huge and it exists in every community. We know that Americans love their pets. We know that most American homes have pets and that there is a national shortage of affordable housing. And that was the case even before the pandemic. And we know that housing issues are one of the top reasons that pets end up in shelters. And that can be because a landlord doesn't allow pets, or they do, but there are breed or size restrictions either in the law or in their lease or in their insurance policy. And Best Friends is working to change all of that. But a lot of the pets are surrendered to shelters because the pet owner or the family doesn't have resources to care for that animal. So, for example, they might not be able to afford to have their pets spayed, which is often a housing requirement, or maybe they can't afford veterinary treatment for an unexpected illness or even food for their pet. And yet those kind of resources are available in most communities if you know how to find them. But unfortunately, many people don't realize that until after they've given up their pet. And for unhoused people, it's particularly concerning because it's estimated that up to 25% of homeless individuals have a pet, whether a dog or a cat or sometimes both, and that a significant number of those individuals will not obtain much needed services from a shelter for themselves if the shelter doesn't allow pets because they don't wanna be separated from what is often their only friend, their only family, their lifeline to the outside world. We've got animal welfare, all of us doing what we can do to help pets. And then you have humanitarian organizations like Catholic Charities. They're helping people. But we're starting to realize those things are a lot more connected than we may have thought. Last year, in the midst of the pandemic, there were a lot of unknowns about how COVID was going to impact people and the pets that they love. And we realized that we needed to expand our reach. Because like everyone, we were very concerned about the projected escalation of the housing crisis, an eviction crisis, an economic crisis, obviously the health crisis, all, all these things that would potentially be devastating to people, but that might also result in an escalation of individuals and families having to make the heartbreaking decision to give up their pet and how many of those pets were gonna end up in our shelters. So we started looking at opportunities to collaborate with human service providers and see where we could potentially intersect and work together to do more for pets and for people because really everybody, humans and animals deserve safe and healthy housing. And so we were connected through a mutual contact with Catholic Charities USA, who is one of the largest housing providers in the country. And it was really a perfect fit because both of our organizations have national reach. 
Uh, we both have a lot of local partners. We offer very similar services to our respective clients. And so it seems like a great opportunity to serve both ends of the leash. Both ends of the leash. I love that. Catholic Charities and Best Friends got together, decided on a pilot project approach, a project that could serve as a model for other communities. And while we were discussing possible locations, Catholic Charities USA connected Best Friends with Catholic Charities Eastern Washington because they had been having some pet-related issues with their clients that they thought that we could help with from, you know, some people not having pet food, other people who couldn't find housing that would accept their pet. Some people needed inpatient drug or mental health treatment, but refused to leave their pets behind. And through that initial conversation that we had with their local team, we all realized that we had a really great opportunity in Spokane to identify needs and provide resources to the Catholic Charities clients that they serve. So we brought our incredible local network partner, Spokanimal, into the conversation, and we ended up launching a pilot at the beginning of this year. So how does this pilot project work? How are pet owners who need help identified? What kind of help is offered? Elizabeth says it's really about whatever the person needs, and they're letting those needs dictate the program, not the other way around. First of all, Catholic Charities does a lot of street outreach, so they are out there looking for people who need help and are able to provide that help. And some of the ways that they've been able to provide that help is by, and part of what came out of this project after we had identified the needs of those, um, those people and their pets was we needed to establish a pet food pantry because a lot of people just didn't have regular consistent access to pet food. And that has provided more than 4,600 pounds of food so far, as well as cat litter and supplies. We recognize that a lot of the pet owners didn't have collars or leashes. So Best Friends has sent more than 800 collars and leashes. Um, we've provided grant funding, all of that kind of thing. But the two biggest things that we've been able to provide our veterinary services. So spay and neuter, vaccinations, microchips, emergency surgery, dentals, all of those things that people just did not have access to before, as well as free housing and care for pets whose owners are temporarily unable to provide that for their pet for whatever reason, whether they need inpatient or outpatient treatment or they need you know, drug intervention, or they need uh, their own medical uh, treatment. That has all been addressed through this amazing program that Spokanimal has called the Guardian Angel Program, where people who need those services don't have to worry about choosing between getting those services for themselves and being able to care for their pets. And now they know that their pet is in a safe place, that they can get that pet back at the end of their treatment. And that has lifted a number of barriers for people who really needed medical or psychological treatment and wouldn't ordinarily get it because they were worried about what would happen to their pet. One of the nice things about the work that we can do is that we're able to help folks where they are 
kind of whatever whatever the situation is. You know, we try to work with folks that may be in danger of losing housing, for instance, but maybe if somebody is experiencing chronic homelessness and has been living in a place not meant for habitation for a really long time. And there are so many different things that the that the agency does and so many different kind of angles that we take at trying to um trying to address these issues. Dave says they have more than 2,500 people in their housing units across their service area, and about 30% of their residents have pets. We really try to have as low barrier services as possible, right? And, and the idea being that if we, can, um, if we can provide housing, let's provide housing, and let's use that as a foundation of stability to build other things on instead of having you know, prerequisites of like, we need, you know, we need X, Y, and Z to happen before we, we look at housing. You know, we're trying to build as much of a foundation of, of stability to build on. And pets are a very important part of stability for many folks we work with. In looking at the pets, not as a stumbling block to that stable life, but as an integral part of what it may well take to help that person it takes away the gut-wrenching decision many people in situations like this have to make. It doesn't help for somebody to have to make that kind of difficult decision of accessing services or, and by accessing services, they would they would lose this pet, which has been a, an important stabilizing force in their life. Dave says the partnership is helping their clients in numerous ways. For example, they've got access to basic supplies so that any client who needs them can get them right away. Through the partnership with Spokane Well Best Friends, we have pet food, collars, leashes, any kind of pet supply that we could, pot, toys, puppy pads, cat litter, anything that we could imagine has been, you know, has been provided. So we've got clients who, for instance, have accessed those in a day-to-day, -day, you know, day-to-day, -day, like low on pet food today, that we can help provide that through our partnership with Spokanimal and, um, and best friends. And then uh, we've had one recently where we we had an individual who was was, was diagnosed with cancer and was needing uh, surgery and treatment. Obviously, a, a surgery is a, a big acute, like, we're going to be gone for a few days. And then treatment, you know, it, it's a it, there's an ebb and flow. And in our partnership with uh, Spokanimal, we were able to uh, whenever he was needing to go in for surgery or for treatment, they were able to board the animal um, so that he could just focus on his health, on recovering, recovering from the surgery, recovering from the different treatments. And then when he was able to come back home, had the companionship of the pet, you know, he didn't need to worry about making sure that that he had dog food. You know, we were able to kind of help with that. Instead of becoming a situation where it's like, I know I need to get this surgery, but I don't know if I can take care of the pet, or I know I need to go, you know, into different treatments every week, and I'm going to feel really run down for a little bit, um, but I don't know who's going to take care of the pet. He didn't have to worry about that piece. Spoke Hannibal was taking care, great care of of the pet, and then they were able to reunite when you know when he was physically able. That's a good example of a long-term kind of thing too. It wasn't just one surgery. It's it's surgery and treatment, and it's making sure everybody's taken care of. So when you bring together experts in their respective fields and organizations, you get this collective knowledge base, right? I know pets, you know people, let's collaborate. 
whether it's a human services organization or an animal welfare organization, is always in a position of trying to manage a, a really high amount of need, right? There's a lot of need in the community for, for human services, a lot of need in the community for animal welfare. So when we're trying to go across systems, it's sometimes hard to navigate. You know, I, I say that because I think if we had called the sort of main number for Spoke Animal, or if Spoke Animal had called the main number for Catholic Charities, was like, hey, let's do a big vaccination event one Saturday in the summer. Um, I, that would be tough. That would be a tough thing to kind of start with for, I don't know that, you know, we wouldn't know where to start with that. And so um, it's the combination of being connected with Spokanimal and, and working, working with Dory to meet those immediate needs that we had last winter, but then continuing that connection. And meeting with each other every other week. I, I guess I could just speak for myself, but I feel like everybody really enjoys the meetings that we have every other week. It's kind of a highlight now. Um, but being able to being able to connect, I think is really, really important because we, we then we, we then build. And so it's not just meeting the one need that we had today, but it's meeting that need and committing to talking to each other in a couple of weeks, seeing what our needs are there and then problem solving through that. And then you, you know, you, you look up after a year and there's, and, and something that started off with, with it, from my perspective or, you know, from my end, me complaining to my boss about something I had no idea how to handle has now become not just that, that thing, but, you know, veterinary services, food, collars, leashes, you know, we know that the pets in our buildings, you know, when we have situations that pop up, we've got somebody who's an expert that can help guide us through it. I mean, it's, it's so huge for us. This has been the best thing ever. Like all of us met and we really didn't know what was, you know, exactly what was going to happen, what we were thinking. And we were like, oh, can you do this? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. I mean, we literally, every single one of us was like, yes, yes, yes. This has been the best friendship ever. Like we all look forward to this every single, like our meetings, our zoom meetings. It's so much fun. We've all gotten to be friends and there's nothing that we can't do. If we're like, Hey, this doesn't work. Okay. Well, let's fix it. That's just the coolest thing that ever that came out of this whole COVID thing. And just the whole thing is all of us being friends and making this happen. I mean, we went down to the House of Charity um, with Catholic Charities and we did a big vaccine clinic funded by Best Friends through a grant. It was 106 degrees outside here that day. It was smoky from wildfire and we, it, it didn't matter. We were all together and we made it work and we went out on the street and we brought folks in with their animals and we helped. And I mean, it was cool. There's nothing we won't do. Dory Peck with Spoke Animal says they wanted to help in these kind of ways, but didn't necessarily know how. This is definitely new for all of us. It's been a learning experience. We've been doing it for about a year and I've learned so much. I mean, our whole staff has learned so much. We always knew the need was out there for the people and their pets. We've had a growing homeless population in our area, um, which there's a lot of organizations helping and working. And I think it's across the country, but Spokane really hadn't in, until about two, three years ago, maybe where we really all started going, uh-oh, like what's going on? We really need to help these folks. People are, you know, in critical danger. If you're a leader within an organization, you may wonder when we're talking about new programs like this, where does it fit? in the community, even within your own organization. You're already running an established nonprofit, right? Ideally, you've got a mission statement and a strategic plan. Spoke Animal was already offering some of these types of services, temporary fostering, the food pantry, but they felt it was important to put more focus on those programs that are supporting pet owners in the community, keeping pets where they belong. 
at home. Yes, we're amazing transfer partners, but we decided that we really want to help those that need the help in our own community as well. That's huge for us. And so by identifying this with Best Friends and Catholic Charities, I'd always known the need was out there, but I never really had that partner to tell me like what the need was. And once we started meeting and I was like, ah, this is how we can fit. This is another part that we can really help our community. Up on the podcast website, bestfriends.org slash podcast, you can click on episode 90. You'll see resources. We've got some more detail about this program itself, much more than we could ever squeeze into a podcast. Again, bestfriends.org slash podcast. Click on the link for episode 90 or check out the link in the show notes area on your podcast app. At the beginning of the episode, I mentioned the biases we still struggle with in our industry, and I get it. It's hard to imagine your pet living a life differently than what you've given them, right? Anything less than that just doesn't feel like it's going to be enough. So I asked all three of today's guests, Dory, Dave, and Elizabeth, their perspective on helping people keep their pets, even during times when those pet owners are really struggling. When I first started, of course, right? Like you you kind of go into this industry with a mindset of like, well, gosh, if you can't afford a bag of dog food, like how, why would you adopt? Of course, you kind of, but as you get into this and you see the people, how much they love their animals and how it's their, it's their family, it's their friend, how important they are. And everybody goes through hard times. And so I think we all evolve into that where we don't judge people anymore. I mean, everybody has hard times. Everything's happened to people that they don't expect and everyone deserves that love. And I truly believe that. Yeah, at first I probably was more judgmental. And then I think I've gotten obviously less and less and less as time goes on. You'd never judge anybody, a book by its cover. I've learned that from donors to volunteers to adopters. You just don't do that because you never know. Part of serving folks is taking barriers away, right? And I keep coming back to, it's kind of our, (laughs) the sort of North Star of affirming the dignity of folks, right? And it's like, if the relationship with their pet is something that is life-giving, life-affirming for somebody. As a social services provider, I don't want to mess that up. I don't want to get in the way of that. You know, we're, we're trying to help build stability. As a social service provider, I think it's, it's kind of counterproductive, right, for me. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to put somebody under that kind of stress. I think that the the stresses that that you're talking about where somebody's experiencing homelessness it's a stress level that is frankly unfathomable for anybody who hasn't had to experience it you know where am i sleeping tonight where am i getting food where am i using the restroom next part of where our lens is is trying to affirm uh, affirm the dignity of folks is to really uh, is to try to stay away from the idea that somebody's ready or not ready for something that's their decision. One of the things we say is like, people are the experts of their own lives. People are good at knowing what they need and what's important to them. If you're going to provide that kind of service and outreach to people, vulnerable people in the community, you can't have that kind of judgment. And I know that there are a lot of programs that are specifically dedicated to helping women, to helping victims of domestic violence, to helping families with kids. And I think that they're very conscious of those specific needs, but they're also very conscious of the need for people to keep their pets when they're at their most vulnerable. 
And so that's part of why this project does my heart so much good, especially because, you know, the past 20 months have been so challenging for so many people and been, it's just been so full of heaviness and, and darkness. And the number of people and pets who have already benefited from this program in such a short time, mostly due to the incredible enthusiasm and commitment of Catholic Charities and Spokanimal, it really is so inspiring because, you know, a lot of us will never experience the kinds of challenges that, that these people are experiencing. And um, people don't always recognize the value of pets when it comes to, you know, it, it's very often people or pets. And this is one of those rare or, or at least, you know, not as common um, situations where the, the value of the, the people and their pets is recognized on an equal level. Well, this is great, but is it working? I pose that question to Elizabeth from Best Friends. Honestly, John, it has exceeded all of our expectations. I don't think that any of us anticipated that it would come together so quickly or have so much immediate impact. It has already made a huge difference in keeping pets out of shelters, keeping pets with their people, and keeping people from resisting or refusing critical services for themselves, which had been a very real issue when they didn't know what would happen to their pets. And that has had a tremendous impact on the ability of the Catholic Charities care coordinators to do their jobs and to mitigate some of the regular crises that they face with their clients every day. So they're not having to scramble as much during a crisis and, and they can see tangible differences in their clients' responsiveness to treatment and healing, knowing that their pets are okay because pets are such a key part of people's recovery when it comes to physical and mental health. So now hopefully you're inspired and wondering how you can do this yourself in your community. Elizabeth has some tips. I think the biggest takeaway is that the animal welfare community and the, the human welfare community are really doing the same work just for opposite sides of the leash. And I think that most housing providers in this world, in this human service you know, arena, recognize the value of keeping pets with their families. And that keeping people housed and keeping pets housed is just part of the path of healthy housing, healthy communities, healthy recovery. So I don't think there's a hurdle to get over in sort of selling the need for a program like this. I think it's really just about connection because we know the services are out there we know the need is out there. It's just a question of putting it together. So I think that animal welfare providers reaching out to human service providers and saying, hey, we are here. We have insert service here, right? We have a free spay and neuter program for the people of this community. And do your residents, do your clients, do your um, the people that you're serving have a need for that? Because we know that that's actually a barrier to getting into housing for many people. We have a pet food pantry at our shelter. 
could any of your residents with pets utilize that? So I think it's really just about connecting the services that are already in the community and forging relationships that may not already exist. One of the things that came out of this partnership that I'm so happy about is we were able to connect Catholic Charities and Spokanimal with the local municipal shelter who historically they didn't have any kind of relationship. And that was presenting a significant barrier because they didn't have a point of contact. They were sometimes the Catholic Charities residents' pets would end up in the municipal shelter and the Catholic Charities care workers were having to go and bail them out and pay out of pocket to pay the, the fee and, and all of that. And, and just by bringing them into the conversation and getting everybody on the same page and part of that, that conversation has just prevented a lot of the issues that are would have come up in the future. And so I think just opening the line of communication and getting people to collaborate and find those intersections is going to really help with community-based sheltering, with treating people and their pets as families and not as you know individual kind of demographics to serve is going to go a long way toward keeping pets with their people and out of shelters. And should there be any fears about what this kind of work might mean for your organization? You know, will our supporters, our donors, will they get it? Is this the kind of work that animal-loving public wants to support? We've had really good things come out of this and people that really, really care that have been involved with Catholic Charities, but now they're super excited about all of this program too, because they love animals as well. So um, we did this because it's the right thing to do. This is what our community needs. This is the right thing. And I think bottom line fact, if you do the right thing, good things follow. I truly believe that. And I've told these guys that forever and ever and ever, like the fundraising follows when you do the right thing, because it's the right thing to do. And people support that. The results from Spokane have helped prove the value of this program. And the plans are to work with Catholic charities to identify new communities and find Best Friends Network partners in those communities that can play the role Spoke Animal does in eastern Washington. We actually are already in conversations with other Catholic charities, housing providers in other cities that have a high need where we can do something, maybe not on the same scale as Spokane, because the needs are going to be different. They're going to be unique to that community. But that's the idea, is to establish a sustainable model that we can plug into places where we have the resources, we've identified the need, and those housing providers can work with um, local animal welfare uh, organizations to do the same kind of thing. Um, establish a pet food pantry, provide medical services, provide some kind of um, free boarding or temporary foster program, whatever it is. So that's the idea, is to roll this out in as many places as we can. If your organization is not a network partner, sign up ASAP beyond all of the amazing resources at your disposal, from the town halls to this podcast, playbooks, editorials. Partners are who we look for when it comes to these types of opportunities, so we need to know you're out there. Link to information on how to sign up in the show notes of your podcast app. Also on the website, bestfriends.org slash podcast. Click on the link for episode 90 like to say a huge thank you to the three incredibly dynamic guests we had on this episode, Elizabeth Oreck from Best Friends, Dory Peck from Spoke Animal, and Dave Sackman from Catholic Charities Eastern Washington. I know you share my excitement about watching how that program continues to grow over the weeks, months, and years to come. 
Tawny Hammond, Amy Charlton, Bethany Hines, Kayla Sebo, Whitney Blyton, and Mark Peralta are the producers. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast. <laughs>